Hey Badgers fans, it's John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone that if you like the show, to make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes so you can get new episodes right on your phone. And if you like what we're doing here, we'd appreciate it if you left us a review so that other Wisconsin fans can find us in the podcast directory. And if you like the show and want more in-depth discussion about Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, head on over to BadgerBlitz.com to sign up for a premium membership. It's less than $9 a month and it gives you VIP access to John McNamara's recruiting news and scoops and my insider content like practice reports and game day analysis. Not to mention the Badgers Den, our premium member forum. With so much going on in the world of Wisconsin sports, there's never been a better time to sign up. Head on over to BadgerBlitz.com and click on the subscribe button to sign up today. Welcome back, Badgers fans, to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. My name is John Veldheis, senior writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Not just me today, I'm joined by uh, John McNamara, publisher of BadgerBlitz.com. How are you doing, John? Doing real well. Awesome. Glad to have you back. So why don't we just kind of dive into things. Um, Obviously, the big news today that uh, the, the Badgers are going to have to deal with on the football side of things is, you know, coming off of their win over Indiana last week, uh, the win over the Hoosiers came at a, at a, at a price, like what we were thinking uh, in the aftermath. Uh, the most serious injury uh, that came out of the game is that uh, Quintez Cephas has now uh, been ruled out for the rest of the season uh, with, you know, we uh, we don't have a specific other than an injured leg, but it certainly looked like he he broke uh, maybe a bone in his leg or, or something after he got it rolled up uh, while blocking on a play. Um, I think that's the big question for this for this team moving forward. You know, how do they replace him because he was their their number one receiver uh, through, you know, their first uh, nine games or so, uh, and it was really kind of in the midst of a breakout campaign. So I don't know where where do you think that uh, the Badgers are at at that uh, that wide receiver position? Like, I guess like what what do you what who do you expect to kind of pick up the slack with with Cephas out for the rest of the season here? You know, it's it's a tough blow because, you know, obviously he was Wisconsin's number one option. Um, you know, you don't have Jazz Peavy on the roster anymore. He's away from the team for some personal reasons. But, uh, you know, Cephas led that, that team with, with you know, the receiver in core with 30 catches and you know, over 500 yards, six touchdowns. Um, and he seemed to get better and better each week. And, um, you know, with that, I think Alex Hornerbrook, you saw, had more and more confidence in, in Cephas each week. So, um, you know, that, that's a big blow for Wisconsin. Um, but, you know, like you talked about, John, you know, when we were getting ready for this is, uh, you know, Kendrick Pryor is a guy that really um, opened some eyes during fall camp. Um, he had a really good camp, and then uh, he had that moped accident. So um, he would be the guy, you know, even though he's a bit unproven right now, he's, he's shown some flashes. I think he's still trying to get to 100%, you know, both physically and then obviously mentally of, uh, you know, of getting back up to full strength after missing some time there. So um, he, he's a guy I think, you know, will absolutely be counted on and someone I think that can step into that moment. But, um, you know, you're you're just, you know, you got your three scholarship guys, um, you know, with Danny Davis, A.J. Taylor, and Kendrick Pryor. And then, you know, when the depth chart came out, your fourth guy is Jack Dunn. Um, you know, and he's listed, I think, you know, five foot six or five foot seven and you know, 170 pounds or so. So, um, you know, you know, wants to see him take a ton of reps probably if, if you're Wisconsin. So um, Pryor's a guy that I, I, I could see stepping up, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and I, I think that in what I was talking with the, the, the coaches and the players this week, the, the 
the thing that I thought Cephas really brought to the Badgers was um, just kind of a, a physicality that you know you hadn't really seen out of uh, that wide receiver position over the last couple of years or so. He, he just seemed like he – I don't know if it's a willingness or uh, if it's a – he just feels more comfortable doing it, but he could really go up and – you know, attack the football uh, when it's up in the air, go down and grab it. Uh, and then, you know, after making the catch, I, I felt like he had a really good awareness of, you know, where he was at on the field and being able to, uh, you know, maybe get that extra yard or two, uh, you know, by, you know, knowing where the first down marker was uh, and kind of powering forward to make sure that they, they got that conversion on, on, say, on like a third and five or something like that. And, you know, I think that's kind of an underrated aspect of, you know, what you're trying to get out of that wide receiver group is that you know, if you're going to pass on third down, you need to, you know, make sure that you get it. And uh, it, it, I don't know, it just seemed like over the last couple of years, that was that was something that we hadn't seen, you know, uh, for the Badgers. That, you know, if they were going to convert on uh, on third down or, you know, they were going to pass, uh, they needed to, to, uh, to you know, take a shot like a little farther than the actual marker because I, I just didn't know that they had somebody that could really fight for that extra yard uh, to uh, to convert that. And the the big thing, and you know, I guess something that surprised me is that he really seemed to become the team's um, favorite target in the red zone, uh, w- even with Troy Fumagalli on the team. Uh, and you know, I, I think Fumagalli might be somebody that maybe gets a little more. Um, Maybe gets a few more targets here and there, but he's already he's already the leading, you know, um, receiver on the team in terms of target share. Uh, so I don't know how much how much higher he can go up from there. But it, certainly, it, you know, not having Cephas leaves a, a void, I think, in the red zone and then just on those situational downs on third down where you know you know you need to get to a certain spot to uh, to convert it. And I'm just curious to see, you know, if the if the guys that are currently available to the team have what it takes to really replace that. Yeah, uh, you know, like you mentioned too, John is you know, he's a he's a guy that was playing with a lot of confidence too, um, and he saw that build from week to week, and uh-huh. you know, he was he was playing really well prior to to going down against Indiana. So you you know, obviously with the stuff that happened with him this fall, with his father passing away, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough blow for Quintez to have a season cut short. Um, you know, <clears throat> we talked about the receivers and the options you would have there. Um, you know, I'd be curious if Paul Chris, you know, I don't want to call it getting cute, but, you know, how creative will he get? You know, he has three good tight ends that he likes on this roster. You know, will you see Troy Fumagalli be used, you know, maybe as, as a slot guy? You know, obviously Troy Fumagalli, you know, one of the reasons why he's the best, one of the best tight ends in the country is that he, he can catch the ball and he's a, he's a good blocker as well. But, you know, does he turn into a guy that's just now a primarily – uh, a receiving threat uh, for you. You know, would you go and try to put Jonathan Taylor and Bradrick Shaw on the field at the same time? You know, we, we've, we've seen Wisconsin do that when they've had, you know, two good running backs. Um, you know, would they get creative and try to do something like that? So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what Paul Chris wants to do. Does he feel like he has to change things up a ton? Uh, I don't think they do, but I think he would have some options if he did want to get creative because – they are a little deeper at running back, even though they've had injuries at the position, and they do have tight ends who they feel good about. Uh, so, you know, that's that's something that I'll look forward to to seeing what happens in, in the next couple weeks or so. Yeah, and I think something that, um, you know, might fly under the radar a little bit, kind of what you were talking about, is that they there are a lot of guys on this 
offense right now that they trust, I think, to uh, to catch the ball if they if they need to, including I think uh, the fullbacks, uh, particularly um, Austin Ramish is somebody that I think you can get something out of if you were to. I think he because I think he you know, had a had a key reception in the in the Cotton Bowl or something where there was almost like a almost a fake. Uh, where he kind of went out uh, from behind Hornerbrook and um, kind of caught the defense uh, off guard or, or something like that. I mean, like th- th- whether it's a combination of, you know, getting more tight ends on the field or using your fullbacks in different ways or, you know, like what you mentioned, um, you know, seeing if you can mix and match a little bit with, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Bradrick Shaw, uh, Rashid Ibrahim, and uh, Chris James, if he's available, are both guys that I think they, uh, they like to have. Um, you know, catching the ball if that's something that they feel like they need to do. So I feel like there's there's options for them. It's just a matter of um, you know where where does the where does Cephas's targets go to, and you know how how comfortable and, and how quickly can they adjust to you know not having him because obviously we're getting into you know pretty much the part of the season that I think people have been looking forward to basically all year. Um, and you know it, it, you don't want to say that the games that led up to this week haven't mattered, but you know, the, I mean, these, these are the games that, you know, they, they've put themselves in a position to where, you know, they could go 10 and 0 for the first time ever uh, in, in program history. And, you know, now, you know, you're, you're facing three interesting games and the pressure's on to, you know, keep pace and to win these games. If you want to keep yourself in the, in the conversation uh, to be in the college football playoff. Yeah, and, you know, we, we talked a lot about Cephas just now, but, you know, looking at that injury report that came out today, uh, Dakota Dixon, questionable. Chris James, questionable. Laudermilk and Garrett ran in that same boat. Uh, and then out you have, you know, we talk, obviously talked about PV and, and uh, you know, Cephas, but <clears throat> Benchall, Luke Benchall is there, obviously, just a reserve tight end. But uh, Chris Orr, too, on the defensive side of the ball. So you'll see, you know, plenty of Ryan Conley and, uh, Arrington Farrar and then Mike Mascalunas was that fourth linebacker list on the depth chart. So, you know, not not a great time to be as dinged up as Wisconsin is heading into the Especially since, I mean, like the Iowa week in particular has always been one that you, know, you kind of come after that game, even if you're not, you know, officially injured or, you know, on the injury report. I mean, you're, you're hurt. You're hurting after that right. game. I think both teams are. And to – to have to deal with that and then to play Michigan and then Minnesota the week after is, uh, it's definitely kind of a, a tricky spot to be in. Definitely. So, you know, you, you, especially in the defensive line, you'd love to be, have Laudermilk be able to go and you'd love to be able to have Garrett Rand go just, just so you could spell guys. Um, you know, one thing that's, you know, a guy who's not in the injury report this, this week, which will be, I think will be pretty big is uh Chiqui Obasi. Um, you know, I don't think he's at full strength, but, He's a guy that does have some fresh legs there. And like you talked about, the physicality of the, this game, you know, just from the years past, you know, you you want to rotate guys in. You want to keep guys fresh because it's going to be a physical contest. So, um, you know, you, you want all four of those guys who are questionable to, to be able to go. I think specifically Laudermilk and Rand because, uh, you know, of the type of contest that you would expect this game to be. Yeah, uh, definitely. Before we uh... – you know, get too far into uh, our, our Iowa talk uh, with that game coming up. Why don't you uh, you put up an interesting article uh, um, looking at uh, some uh, basketball recruiting topics for, for the Badgers. Uh, so why don't you give us a little uh, preview of what people can find if they uh, head on over to badgerblitz.com and check that out. 
Sure, yeah, we, we kind of piggybacked off of signing day, and it wasn't really a huge day for Wisconsin yesterday, which was Wednesday. Uh, they signed Taylor Curry, and he was the only one that Greg Gard spoke about publicly. Um, you know, with Joe Hedstrom in that 2018 class coming as a walk-on, I don't. I, they can't comment on him right away. I think he just signed some financial work or, you know, some kind of tender where it says, "Yeah, I'm coming here next year." But his first year is going to be as a walk-on. Then he'll go in scholarship uh, for that last four years of his time at Wisconsin. Um, but you know, usually when Wisconsin's recruiting and specifically in basketball, once signing day hits, um, you know, they're, they're usually done because they fill up their spots. You know, Wisconsin still has another scholarship left in this 2018 class. And, you know, there are a few guys that are still out there that, that are interesting options for Wisconsin. Uh, the, the, the guy I'm looking at is Tim Finke. Uh, he's someone who's, you know, his older brother plays at Illinois. He picked up a handful of offers throughout the process. Uh, he's still uncommitted at this point. And, you know, the offers that he did have are probably, you know, no longer there because a lot of these schools have filled up. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so Wisconsin's in a position where if they wanted to really uh, go after him strongly, and, uh, you know, I've been told that they have looked at him just a little bit here since Tyler Hero's decommitment that, you know, they, they can make a run at him. So if, they, if that means, you know, watching him in, in the weeks kind of leading up to, to his senior season or, or taking a look at a lot of those games of, from his senior season, uh, he could be a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, another guy that I know they've, they've at least kind of kicked the – Kick the tires on is uh, Jerome Brooks. He's a kid out of Washington. Uh, he's someone that was committed to USC, but when USC and these sanctions that are kind of sweeping college basketball popped up, he backed away from that commitment. So uh, he's a four-star kid, a Rivals 150 kid. Um, you know, I, I think it'd be more difficult uh, to really get involved with him in comparison to Finky, but he's someone that Wisconsin has looked at. And then, you know, if, if you read that article, too, we really took a look at that 2019 class where they'll have, you know, probably, you know, at least four scholarships to play with, maybe even five, to, to depending on how things shake out. Uh, that 2020 class, which obviously has Jalen Johnson in it, uh, the in-state kid from, from Sun Prairie right in Wisconsin's backyard. Uh, but Johnson was the first kid that Wisconsin offered in that 2020 class. And, uh, you know, I think in the next 12 months or so, he'll have offers from Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Michigan State, all those kind of quote-unquote blue bloods in the, in the world of college basketball. So uh, I think Wisconsin is going to be a big-time contender for him right up until the very end, but it's going to be really difficult. He's, he's as special of a player or kind of on that path as, as really anyone who's come out of the state. And then, um, you know, even dipped into that 2021 class, which, you know, if you do the math there, they're just freshmen in high school. But uh, Wisconsin – uh, it really, you know, I don't want to say really likes, but they're they're definitely looking at two kids in particular. Uh, a kid named Michael Foster from Washington High School in Milwaukee. Uh, I got a chance to see this kid at Wisconsin's camp in the summer, so he was still a middle school's kid then. But they brought him up a few times to play with Tyler Hero, to play with Jalen Johnson, and a few of their other top campers there. You know, he's he's six foot eight and one hundred ninety pounds. He doesn't look like a freshman in high school. And he's definitely a guy that's, like I said, with you know, he's with Johnson. He's he's going to be on that path to to a high major, you know, high major prospect. And then Patrick Baldron Jr., who's the son of the UWM coach Patrick Baldron, who just took over that program. Uh, they came from Illinois, and he's going to be one of probably one of the top players in the nation as well. He's another kid with size. Uh, you know, obviously, with your dad as a is a big time college coach, you're 
you're pretty fundamentally sound and you, and you do a lot of those things right. So um, he's playing at Sussex Hamilton uh, this winter. And, you know, those two guys in particular are just guys that, you know, still unbelievably early for them. But, you know, they have all the things you're looking for. And if they kind of project to where you would assume they project to, they're going to be high major kids with a lot of scholarships to choose from. Well, uh, obviously, uh, I highly recommend if you if you um, are a subscriber to BadgerBlitz.com, head on over to uh, to the site and check that out. It was uh, well worth my time to uh, to read that. Uh, but uh, John, before we uh, before we wrap up things, uh, I'm just curious, you know, to get your uh, prediction for this this game against Iowa. Um, I, I mean, I I really kind of struggled with you know, how to account for Iowa's big win over Ohio State last week. I was driving down to uh, to Chicago to meet up with my parents for something um, during that game after the, the Indiana game wrapped up. And so I, I left my house uh, right as Iowa picked off uh, JT Barrett on that first play, and then I didn't hear anything else about the game until I got out of the car when I was in the city. And I checked on my phone, and I saw that they had won by, you know, 55 to 24, and I, I thought that my phone hit a bug or something. Because uh, I just, I couldn't, I had no idea that, you know, it, that just didn't seem like that was even within the realm of possibility that, you know, I, I always thought that, you know, that Kinnick is a tough place to play, you know, especially in those big games like that. But the way that they made the Buckeyes fold like a cheap lawn chair is, was just, you know, it came out of left field. And so I, I, I had a hard time kind of figuring out what to do with my prediction for this week. But I'm curious as to what, where you came down when you were thinking about it. Yeah, uh, the name that I just I can't get out of my head this week is Nathan Stanley. Uh, oh, yeah. he, you know, a, a kid from from Menominee High School, which has been good to Wisconsin, but uh, you know, you, you look at how Stanley's performing this year as a true sophomore. Um, you know, almost two thousand yards passing, twenty two touchdowns. You know, he threw five touchdowns against Ohio State. So you know, we just spend so much time talking about oh, it's going to be a Shea game, his physical game, his grinded out game. You know, what if Nathan Stanley just, you know, if they give him the ball and said, let's just throw it around the field as much as we can. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think he's going to be, I thought he was going to be a really good player for Iowa. Um, I think he's going to exceed that. Uh, you know, I don't want to put so much stock into just one game, but, you know, he's had a good season in his first year as a starter. Um, he's obviously like a, he has like a 22 to four touchdown to interception ratio. I think, I mean, it's, it's something, it's it really is, good yeah. uh, yes, as far as the, the ratio goes. 22 to four. And if you, you know, obviously Wisconsin fans are, are have a quarterback right now, I think who's third in the big 10 in most interceptions thrown. So uh, Stanley just right. looked great against Ohio state. You know, he's got a huge arm, you know, in high school, he was a, he was a pitcher and he threw, you know, 90 plus miles per hour. Um, in his arm, it was he's got a big arm, and it was really accurate against Ohio State. And you know, to carve up a defense like that, um, you know, with so many you know future NFL guys on it was it's just really impressive. Um, you know, can he do that against Wisconsin? It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but you know, we're just kind of thinking about this game. That's the name that pops up to me. I think that's the storyline. And you know, it was written about this week of you know. Gary Anderson not going after him, him making an early commitment to to Iowa, whether he had some family connections there. Paul Chris trying to uh, to come back in the mix, but um, you know I've talked to his coach a lot too, Joe Labuda, because he sent a lot of guys to Wisconsin. 
uh, seems to send like one one every cycle in the last handful of years to Wisconsin. But you know, he just raves about the kid. Uh, you know, I think Nathan Stanley is a guy that you know that Mono- you know people in that Monami program had really high expectations for. And you know, if if he, if he continues this, you know, you're talking about a guy that probably plays on Sundays as well. So uh, can he come back to Wisconsin and, and you know ruin? An undefeated season for the Badgers, a, a potential playoff season for the Badgers. Uh, I think, you know, if he showed you anything last week, it said he can certainly do that. So he's the guy I'm thinking about this week. He's the guy I'm going to be watching on Saturday. And I think he's the guy, if Wisconsin does fall here and, and Iowa does win, he's the guy that does it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, just thinking about that, uh, the whole, you know, Stanley and, and Gary Anderson and all that. I think, and I wrote about this uh, for the site earlier this week, but you know, I think it's just a, a, a microcosm of, you know, a, a sign that the, the Gary Anderson-Wisconsin relationship was not one that was uh, meant to last long-term and that the Badgers were, were fortunate that it, that it didn't last very long anyway because, you know, the quarterback is, is obviously the most important position in the game. Um, no matter what scheme you're running, I feel like most coaches or at least, you know, got people that, you know, understand the, the blueprint that the Badgers have, have followed um, ever since Barry Alvarez took over. I just, I can't imagine a scenario where you don't at least pursue Stanley or a kid like him coming out of high school as an instant prospect, a quarterback, um, that's a fit for the, you know, the, the regular offense that the Badgers have run. I mean, it's just, and, you know, the, and that's not to say that, you know, the current staff didn't do what they could to, uh, to recruit him after they got into town, but, you know, he committed, I think it was a month before um, Paul Christ took over the Wisconsin job. And so it's not like, and I feel like that at that point, they just kind of respected that he had made a decision and, you know, let him know that it, there was an option for him if he wanted to, uh, if he wanted to change. But, you know, that, that's what I kind of took away from that is, you know, just, it, it's a, it's a, a small part of a series of, you know, cases that you can look at and say, this is, this was not something that was going to work out. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think when it's all said and done that Nathan Stanley might be the, I don't know how you word it, but like the, the best guy who got out of Wisconsin, maybe mm-hmm. um, I think Trey Waynes probably holds that title right now. Right. And, uh, you know, I think, I think eventually Nate Stanley will get there just because, you know, like you talked about John, the quarterback position and how, how vital it is. And, you know, obviously all those things that go with it, but um you know, Jim Polzine had an article to, this week, too, that kind of mm-hmm. had some really telling quotes. And, you know, one of the quotes was like, the only reason why uh, Nathan Stanley's not at Wisconsin is because of Gary Anderson. And, that you know, that's very true because of the conversations that I've had with Joel Labuda. And they talked about, you know, Stanley going to camp and, you know, not being really recognized at all and not being looked at at all. And I just, you know, I get that I get what Gary Anderson was trying to do in terms of a dual threat quarterback, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nathan Stanley isn't a kid that was just like, oh, you know, he's a pretty good high school player. I mean, this kid was a fantastic high school player uh, with a huge arm and, you know, really good athlete as well. You know, he's not a dual threat guy, but to completely ignore him, I, I just think is really kind of irresponsible, especially being an in-state kid. Uh, but, you know, like, yeah. you, like you talked about too, it just, it, it spoke to a greater, or you know, probably a bigger issue with Anderson um, and one of the many reasons why, you know, like you talked about, John, it's, it's, it's probably good that, 
you know, they things parted the ways as early as they did his career at Wisconsin. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I feel like the how Stanley plays, um, this is obviously going to be a, a what it seems like a, a pretty big start for him coming back to his home state uh, for the first time to uh, to play. And obviously, what with the, the playoff implications that the Badgers have going on with him, but. Um, so I, if they can contain him, um, the the thing is that Iowa's offense, you know, before this Ohio State game, had been kind of hit or miss in terms of um, efficiency, staying ahead of the chains, that kind of stuff. And if there's one thing Wisconsin's defense has been able to do, it's been to make offenses uh, become inconsistent by creating a lot of negative plays or you know, forcing turnovers or, or that kind of thing. So if, if the Badgers are on their game, I feel like they will be fine. But if if uh, if Stanley goes off, I'm, I'm kind of thinking then uh, the Badgers could be in the danger zone there. I'd agree. I, th- I think they can lose, not to like rain on a parade here, but I think they can lose any one of their next four games. And I'm counting the Big Ten title game in there as well. Um, you know, yeah. I was, you know, this is an Iowa team that feels like they can beat any team in the country. You know, after beating Ohio yeah. State, and they're going to come in there, and I don't, they're not going to be scared of playing at Wisconsin. Um, I'll be curious to see if fans show up. You know, by by kickoff, it's a two thirty kick, so they, I think right. they'll have. And the road team has won each of the last six games in this uh, in this series. I think. Yeah, that's that's wild too. So you know, it's a game Wisconsin should win. They have everything that they need to. You know, in, in terms of motivation to win this game, but. Um, you're catching an Iowa team right now that has a ton of confidence and a really hot quarterback. So um, I'm picking the Badgers here, but if if Iowa comes in and and shuts them down and, and wins, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, I can't say I would be either. So on that uh, on that cheerful note, I feel like we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll uh, wrap it up here for the week. Uh, obviously, big week for uh, Wisconsin sports. Uh, first. Um, a uh, game that counts for men's basketball comes up uh, tomorrow night at the Cole Center, and uh, Jonathan Mills and I will be there uh, to take that in. We'll have stuff on stuff up on uh, BadgerBlitz.com, and then uh, obviously the football game on Saturday. We were talking about that's at two thirty, and then I believe there's another basketball game on Sunday. Yeah, against uh, Yale at uh, five o'clock. So plenty of action uh, coming up on BadgerBlitz.com. So make sure that you're uh, staying tuned to the site, and uh, if you don't. Uh, subscribe already then i believe we have a promo code going right now don't we john yeah absolutely badgers nine we're still running with that code um that's going to get you some free time with the site well worth it like you talked about with with football and basketball going on right now and recruiting that never stops it's it's something that you guys should certainly take advantage of if you're not already a subscriber all right couldn't have said it better myself all right well for uh, john mcnamara my uh, this is john belheis signing off from the badgerblitz.com podcast we'll talk to you guys next week